Hello and welcome to this episode of Move, Breathe, Live with me, Wibbs Coulson, or my, sometimes my wife, Jenny Wren. Just a quick note to say that throughout this episode, myself and my guests sometimes do get a little bit potty-mouthed. There is the occasional profanity. So if you find that right now you need to listen through headphones, if you've got kids around or something else, then it might be an idea to do so or come back later to this episode. I hope you enjoy the episode and will let me know what you think. I look forward to see, uh, seeing you on the other side. Good morning and welcome back. Good morning and welcome back to another episode. It's great to have you all here. Thank you again for checking in every week uh, for these new episodes. Hope everyone's been well. Um, been a busy two weeks for me and Jen lots of traveling and we are finally back home although I've had to come away this weekend for work so I'm back up in the Lake District um, teaching yoga for bamboo clothing who by the way guys if you want some money off go and use the code WIBS15 and you can get the best socks best pants best yoga clubs best jeans in fact some of the best in fact all of my clothes these days are from bamboo so go and check them out Use the code WIBS15 for 15% off. Um, that does even support me and uh, my little venture a little bit. So thank you very much if you do. But yeah, so I'm up here and then I'm heading home uh, today. Back to see Jen and the pups. Can't wait. Um, and then this week I have got an episode for you, which I recorded about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, um, with an awesome guy called Nick Butter, who is a runner, uh, an endurance runner who has run oh, crazy, crazy amounts of things. He is the world record holder and the first time person to do all sorts of things, including all 196 separate countries of the world in under two years. Um, he ran a marathon in every single one. Um, he's also run the entire length of Italy from the top to the bottom, 100 marathons in 100 days. And then he ran around the coast of the UK. Um, which was supposed to be 200 marathons in 100 days. Um, but as you'll hear, there was a few bits and pieces which, <coughs> excuse me, made that slightly, slightly longer, but not a lot. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I know I say that in all episodes because I'm super lucky to talk to these amazing people. Um, but Nick's got some really cool insights and we touch on things which maybe are slightly outside uh, running, but I think are important for us as maybe a culture and us as people that we can really use to help grow so i hope you enjoy them um as always please do go and recommend this to friends like share subscribe leave me a comment on apple Podcasts if you use apple because that really does help and otherwise just um yeah keep doing what you're doing enjoying the episodes keep coming back every week and i'll see you all soon so i'll leave you here with nick for this great episode Enjoy your week, and I'll see you all very soon. Thanks, guys. Cool. Right, well, welcome back, everybody. Um, another episode uh, of Move, Breathe, Live with me. And today I am super stoked to welcome uh, Nick Butter, who, for those of you who are watching this, Nick's unfortunately in a van somewhere uh, on his speaking <laughs> tour, so is limited internet. So um, this is his book, 
he released, ooh, I think it was last year, uh, Run the World or Running the World. And he's currently on a bit of a uh, speaking tour talking about that. And potentially, I think maybe um, his little jaunt around England <laughs> or the, the UK as well. So I will pass you over to him, who is going to be far better at introducing himself. And perhaps he can just give a very brief breakdown of... Uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, what you've been up to in the last, I don't know, like four, four or five years, I guess, because I know there's a fair yeah. bit. Yes, there's a little bit to get into. There's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, hello, everybody. Um, I suppose I'm I'm Nick, and I am addicted to running. <laughs> Should we leave it at that? Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, so over the past few years, I've done a number of uh, world record and um, fastest known times, and setting a few world records the first thing i did was to become the first person to run a marathon in every country in the world uh and then having ticked that one off and claimed it was four or five world records something like that in the process um went off to do something else but covid got in the way and Standard. so we were exactly covid was definitely our uh our kind of navigating uh, issue over the past uh, 18 months um, but during that time we were able to do another journey through Italy so ran from the very north to the very south of Italy which was 100 marathons in 100 days uh, and everything that that entailed I'm sure we'll get into some details. Um, and that didn't and feel then, like enough then? Uh, so, yeah exactly that didn't feel like <laughs> quite enough running or quite enough blisters or quite enough just it was it was tough actually Italy it was very difficult but um not tough like enough Italian. apparently <laughs> so <laughs> I thought well what's further and I realized I hadn't actually seen you know the whole of my my own island aka Britain and so we set a target after lots of different decisions to not do other things by the way because of Covid getting in the way and then eventually Boris um, gave us the date when we were going to be lifting stuff and we started the journey around Britain on the 17th of April um, and the plan was to run 200 marathons in 100 days which I nearly did uh, it took did. me a little bit longer um, I finished but it it, uh, it it took 128 days because I had a few few little injuries with that 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 was uh was hampering my progress but it was good 5250 miles 128 days um and the best bit of all really was running with lots of great people and seeing every beach in britain so yeah i think i yeah. heard you say that there was about was it like two two and a half thousand people came out and ran with you at, over that 128 days yeah, I actually think the support we had, so you've either got the categories of who actually put trainers on and came out and run with me, or the people that were kind of asking books to be signed on the side of the road, or yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, or all that kind of thing. So I think we had about nearly 5,000 supporters and about wow. 2,500 runners. Yeah, so it was a good, it was a really brilliant thing. And, and it was this amazing celebration of coming out of lockdown where loads of people went into running for the first time or maybe picked running up again but yeah. they couldn't experience it with everybody else they couldn't yeah. experience you know the community spirit and so getting back to it and having a good group of people running with uh with me along the coast was special um yeah but yeah not, not without its difficulties i think yeah i mean i think having that um uh that group kind of mentality of of getting behind something as well kind of almost makes it that little bit nicer for people you do know what I mean if you've kind of fairly new to running and then I mean I'm not a runner as anybody who knows me it's sort of I'm not really a runner um although I have to say that um 
this book and uh, mm. your book uh, and also just a few ideas I'd had prior to coming and joining because I got to join you for the last four yeah. and a half miles I think it was and we ran into the Eden project um the, the glory miles yeah exactly I just like, as always like the <laughs> like the sub who comes on at the sort of 89th minute like I'll, I'll come in for the final mile um but it had like for me it's been I mean your journey and that idea of that kind of and actually coming out with you that that community of like runners when yeah. there's a something behind you to do it for if you like and it's you saying yeah, this yeah. record and you kind of like this is amazing the feeling you get at that time because every time i've ever run prior to that really is on my own sort of running around the field or whatever else um yeah and actually when you do it in that and you kind of suddenly realize that kind of group feeling it does make you want to um i don't know join a club or something i guess do you know what i mean actually be a bit more part of a bigger something a bit bigger yeah. um yeah it's, it's it's infectious i think having people that you enjoy spending time with because you have the same things in common and i write a little bit about it in the book which is that it's not just you know random people that you bump into in the pub or that you may work with that mm. you, you share random flippant comments about a tv series or some football or something like that it's people that are have the same same uh, same desires as you aka running and they are equally open to speaking to new people, which a lot of runners are. And they've, and very importantly, like you just you did on the on the trip, selflessly came out to support and get involved. And if yeah. you put all of that together, it's not just random people; it's it's very very lovely people. Um, and so I was just spoilt to to have all of these great people to to come out and support me. Um, yeah, for, yeah. yeah. I mean, for, yeah. For months on end. I mean, for me, from my perspective, kind of talking to you, I mean this podcast is called like move breathe live and hopefully that like i coming from my nursing background as people have listened will know like i want to try to hopefully inspire people to not only perhaps well i want people to like move breathe and live better healthier lives and stuff but like for me the thing that i get coming from you is like and yes i definitely want to chat about some of the running but like the psychology Mm. behind what you do what you do in particular or what you've done to me is um it's kind of mind blowing. It's, it's, it's amazing and really kind of triggers something in me of like, I've always had this side of, I want to do something a bit st- stupid, a bit crazy, a bit yeah. like challenge. It like really challenge myself. And yet there's always this idea of like, well, you know, could my body handle it? Bloody, bloody, blah. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then someone like yourself who, <laughs> you mm. know, you went and ran Britain and you said you wanted to run it in a hundred days. You ran it, in basically an extra month on top of that yeah. but within that to that to, to put you off for a month you managed to if i get it right i think you broke your shin mm-hmm. you flipped a meniscus mm-hmm. um as well as like the normal bits and pieces that you would normally you know get from running i guess i don't know like some rolled ankles and um <laughs> you know achy yeah and whatever and yet like in your brain that's not you know most people is like i need to give up at this point i need to go and lie down and rest and in your head like you know it's kind of like well we're doing a challenge we need to get it done yeah yeah but it's and this is what i love is like the mind over matter and i kind of feel like um more people kind of need that kind of challenge i guess 
They don't yes. need it, but like I think it would be we'll good. We'll benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, agree, I agree with you. And I think we as Western society have got very used to not getting out of our comfort zone. Yes. And that's you know, a phrase that we always hear about. But when we're talking about getting out of your comfort zone, it's not just about, I don't know, uh, doing something that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but actually spend a decent amount of time uh whether you have support from brilliant people that you're running with or otherwise whatever industry it might be in do something that you are uncomfortable in that zone for a long period and you start mm. to learn things about yourself the more you do it yeah and you, know, you come back to your, the point you said earlier about having stuff that you always think oh yeah it would be lovely to go and i really want to do something stupid like that i'd love to do a crazy challenge and i think it comes back to the old adage of kids in classrooms that are afraid to put their hand up because they don't want to get it wrong they don't want to fail they don't want to look stupid and and for us and for adults and especially especially our western and kind of very privileged society is we don't want to do something that is out of the norm and then not be able to complete it because it almost feels like worse than trying in the first place yeah yeah, um, yeah. and it's just the backwards mentality of that because you the stuff that I have learned from all of these many trips, you know, I've done what 972 <laughs> marathons and 600, uh, sorry, 60 odd thousand miles. So all of that running has given me this enormous uh, concept, um, context and perspective on the world and the people of the world. And without edging out into that comfort zone, none of it would have happened at all. Yeah, yeah. The book wouldn't exist, the documentary wouldn't exist, we wouldn't be speaking now. All it's of those people that ran with <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'd still be sitting behind a desk making yeah. rich people richer. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I uh I I think that there's a huge message there of we've just got this one tiny little life that is going to pass us by if we don't get out and actually do something about it. So um yeah, yeah I'm very passionate about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of how I have been. I'm not sure, like, I don't know, the last two years, kind of, I think COVID in particular has kind of set it off as, is just yes. like, do you know what I mean? We were locked down for so long and not, not able to leave the house. It just felt like, God, you suddenly, really, like, almost like in a war situation where you've just mm. like, lost five years and you kind of like, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally five years, like, it was like, I'm two years older and I've done yeah, nothing. Yeah. And actually, yeah. like, you know and again going back to your book but when you read for me in particular like I mean it was probably not the hard but hardest logistically perhaps but when you were going and visiting all of like the um the South Pacific Islands and stuff like that yeah. it's kind of like oh my god like just drooling with envy of just <laughs> imagine just being able to I mean again by that time you're about 180 odd marathons in, so I'm sure I'm sure it's like <laughs> Uh, not quite the same as having a holiday but still um it no you're right yeah, and but the thing is once you get to that point um it's you know it's not a holiday in the respect that you're still having to run and you still have the pressure of you know you don't want to ruin it you don't want to screw it up before the end yeah um but it is you are still enjoying some incredible places that most people have never heard of let alone get to go and visit so i was googling so yeah. many so many countries <laughs> like, as i was reading and they're, and they're all beautiful aren't they oh yeah they are stunning they are stunning and it like I think going back just slightly to what we said about like, you know, taking that option to go and run, taking the, you know, or to do a challenge or something and like the, how us as a really comfortable Western society is like, 
I don't feel, I don't want, you know, I don't want to move, get out of my comfort zone. I like my fire, you know, my log burner, yeah, I like yeah. my, um, whatever else it might be. I mean, I do love my log burner when I'm at home, I should say, but, <laughs> um, but that comfort, then you kind, and as you say that, that backwards way of like, I don't want to fail. So therefore I won't do it. And I think I put up, I say, I recorded a, um, a quote that basically you did on from rich rolls podcast oh yeah and it's basically just like i wasn't fit enough i wasn't prepared enough but fuck it i basically went and did it anyway do you know what i mean it's like and yeah and and to me again it was that thing of like you know in my head like i've got this plan to almost do a little bit like what you've done i want to go and see every beach in britain i want to go and run the yeah. coast of britain i want to do it barefoot as well just because i yes. love running everywhere barefoot um and like part of me is like well i'm i'm not a runner like i've literally you kind yeah. of inspired me to go and run my first half marathon like great to go so i ran the welsh coast for like from bridge end to lennox major or something um oh, and then i was like well and then my knee started to hurt and i was like well, sure. <laughs> it's my first 12 for <laughs> first half marathon i won't go crazy um and but then i was kind of like I'm not fit enough. Well, I'm not like run fit and fit enough, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, fuck it. I'm just like, I'm going to start trying to plan it and just do it. Do you know what I mean? And just think, well, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it will just be an experience that I can tick off and pretend and whatever else. Yeah. That's the thing is you, I think more people need to have the attitude of I'm going to do this big, scary thing that's going to be life changing and it's still okay if it doesn't succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, my mentality because it's now my living i suppose that mm -hmm. i set myself up to you know, i never i never start anything if i believe i can't do it yeah, but yeah i've certainly started things knowing that there's a chance i can't do it yeah um and so you know if you give yourself every option if you if you're sensible with the planning you know i didn't just go oh you know what i'm gonna run a marathon <laughs> in the country in the world not yeah, by yeah. when it took me two years to, to yeah. work out everything that needed to be done to, and still with that two years there was it still was close you know a hundred i'd say 95 percent of the stuff that happened was not planned and that we had to think on our feet and it was very very close to not happening at all not finishing so yeah, yeah. that's you know that's with two years of planning so if you want something you know you do the preparation you work hard at it but you like you say you have just got to get it get on with it yeah um, yeah uh, there's the amount and i think this is goes to i would say a lot of people that will be listening and a lot of people around and i'm going to say not the world but the western world the developed world that say oh yeah i'd love to do this but, mm, but. And it's always followed with that three little letters that says but well i've got children or but well i've got a mortgage or but yeah. i can't leave my good job or what about my company car what about my cat or what mm -hmm. about my football club or what you know what about my it could be anything and it's yeah, just tiny yeah. little excuses and if you just strike them all off and go i'm not going to make any excuses here whatever they are we're going to do something yeah and then see well, what me, happens yeah that's what me and jen did this year like we basically were just like she uh, she was fed up with her work like she had a you know drove a mercedes company car blah 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 and we were yeah. just like and she was like i'm over it and i was like quit let's go and live in a van for six months which we've done and we traveled and lived in a van and you know it hasn't really worked out quite as we planned and everything, you know, has been ups and downs and whatever else. And, you know, we probably won't live in a van going forward, but um, if we'd never done it, like you'd always wonder. And, you know, yes, everyone said we were mental to live in a van with three dogs, including great Dane, which 
we were absolutely <laughs> living, in a, living in a van for a great day in a two dalmatians is um challenging let's say but uh that's um, yeah i i i think living anywhere with two dalmatians in a great day <laughs> is, is a challenge but i mean nikki and i and have uh, lived in our van now for for two and a bit years and yeah. poppy poppy the dog's been with us for yeah nearly two 20 months of that um yeah she's not a great dane and we haven't got another two of them so and i, I can guarantee you that we would not be in a van if we had two more dogs yeah uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge a <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um so kind of i guess with talking about your mindset um around how you view these challenges and whatever else, did you, have you found that obviously if anyone i honestly i'm going to hold it up again but for anyone who looks but like i honestly recommend everyone read this book because it will absolutely blow your mind as to so much and one of the things i really took from it was um your take on religions and your take on the 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 varying like amounts of religion you know and 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 how how that affects people and you know you went to war-torn countries which yeah are fighting you know, we can say they're political or, you know, religious, political and all that kind of stuff. Religion's all tied in with it. But at the same time, I got this overwhelming sense from the book and from what you took on was actually how big a part of so much of the world religion plays in community and in like, and in people's joy and happiness of, and how friendly they are. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And I think the, the thing there is choosing the words correctly conjure certain different images and certain different political views and certain different mm-hmm. biases. So you've got things like, so if you say the word religion, some people will say, oh, well, religion causes wars and religion causes the the two towers, the twin towers attacks. Religion causes this. OK, so you've got that on one hand. But then if you say the word faith. Yeah. People think, oh, right, well, you know, people name their children faith because it's yeah. got this such this beautiful context of having faith and you, etc. But effectively, yeah. it's the same thing. You know, you have yeah. people have faith all over the world, whether it, you are praying to God A or God B, you are having faith in something that you can't prove and that you follow practices and uh, I suppose learnings and teachings from previous generations. And for the religions that I interacted with, they were without a doubt without any uh, exceptions to the rule on my two years around the world in every country religion every country, yeah. was a po- a positive part of people's lives yeah uh, there was one particular instance when i was uh, we'd just uh, going overland on an overland journey in a jeep through I'm going to get this wrong now through Guinea-Bissau via Senegal to Gambia I think right. uh, and it took something like 15 hours overland it's super hot um, but it happened to be uh, Ramadan at the time and the drivers were driving through this through the day without any food and, we, and weren't drinking either they were only going to be doing that as soon as the sun Sounds went down yeah and that was the whole journey you're talking yeah. I can't the imagine going going like a hundred <laughs> miles without stopping at a service station having a Starbucks or something. <laughs> and 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 so, but they they were doing this. They were young lads. They had their faith, and they stuck with it. And it wasn't it wasn't even a question of oh do we or don't we. It was there was yeah. no you know no hesitation. And we broke down halfway through the the journey, um, in the middle of nowhere. 
Um, long, very long story short, as we eventually got to a, a, a garage kind of place and uh, not the garage that you're probably imagining in the <laughs> Western world, uh, a shed with some people that can repair cars. And uh, and halfway through them, you know, they had the bits and pieces out of the bonnet and loads of kids were helping sort it out. Um, and when I say kids, I mean kids, <laughs> not just young adults, <laughs> but kids, adults, anybody you can, can think of were, were you know, crowding around this bonnet to try and sort it out. And then, of course, the call to prayer came and everybody, without any hesitation, I'm talking every single person that was in my sight, uh, down tools and very calmly just jogged off to the uh, to go and pray. Yeah. And and they came back after that 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And their their sense of uh, being present, their sense mm-hmm. of being just at one with what they have just done for 15 minutes was something that we in the West, in the developed world, really need to take a leaf out of their book. Yeah, because yeah. It's just that taking the time, even if you don't want to have faith in the God or you don't have faith in something, just take time like that. And it's so powerful. Um, and like you said earlier about religion, every single part of the world I went to, you've got uh, mosques that are bigger than you know Wembley Stadium you've yeah. got you've got obviously you've got Mecca you've got I, I've seen so much stuff and it's all based around people believing in different things um yeah. and as long as people approach that in in the right empathetic way then religion and faith is such a force for good uh, yeah, yeah. and I and I knew that I knew that was obviously uh religion is a big part of the world before I went but I had no idea how just how big and influential it is and it's it's just all-encompassing yeah, I remember, um, I obviously, I spend a lot of time doing breath work and whatever else. And I remember, like, speak, hearing someone or reading somewhere about how the idea of, like, going, uh, I guess Americans probably do it more, but, like, the idea of saying um, grace and whatever else before a meal. Yep. And just, and even, like, that that three minutes of saying grace before a meal or however long it is, like, has such a... Um, like yeah. a, a, a relaxing effect on the body that actually even like nutritionally you get so much more from your food just by of course down down regulating from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic place just by being present in that moment letting taking a few minutes to relax um and as you say as a western society we're so go 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 that the idea of i mean you can can you imagine if you were in the uk and uh, your car broke down and the aa man just yes. started off for 10 minutes to go and pray or something but like, the thing that that's the, that's the sad reality right is that if that actually happened people would complain people would yeah. get angry would get aggressive and yeah. it's just it, I, I just wish we could wave some form of like you say the, the whole concept of saying grace is a really good example because it's just taking taking some time to take stock of what we've got and be grateful yeah um and that, I guess, in many senses, is is prayer on in a very broad sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, especially when it's a, a regimented, you know, twice daily prayer. It's just let's have some time to think about this. Yeah. And you do it enough, it starts to center you a bit. Um, and especially I, with all the, you know, we talk about gratitude and like how we yeah. everyone knows the science behind gratitude, and it's like taking, you know, it doesn't have to say it doesn't have to be a religious thing, but just a gratitude for whatever you're doing and even if it's like you going for a run like taking a few moments prior and just being like or afterwards going thank god i finished that <laughs> yeah you're right you're right and i i um I, the the mornings on my runs especially on run britain because i remember that more vividly because it was more recent yeah. um and because i was in a 
in my own country and therefore not not battling some of the things that I battled around the world. Yeah. Um, those couple of hours, two, three hours of my morning, uh, you know, pre sometimes pre-sunrise, definitely pre-bird song when the birds are still not quite awake. And the rest of the world, the rest of the country is is snoozing still. Having that time, even though I, you know, my heart rate's elevated, I'm yeah, still yeah, running, yeah. whether it's raining or whether it's 30 degrees, whatever it is, I'm I'm still having that uh yes. that internal internal bit of calm and that is what running is for me it's just this this enormous calm yeah oh, yeah i can imagine that's obviously for me my yoga practice is something similar yeah. um but yeah, yeah i can i i yeah i mean we all i'm sure everyone who's done has some variety of movement practices probably finds yeah. that same thing um so with run britain then um obviously you've managed to see every single beach in the country mm. which is um you know, I'm sure there's better beaches in, uh, I don't know, some parts of uh, uh, the South Pacific, but still. Um, <laughs> yeah. So with that run, obviously, did you find yourself, were you kind of trying to stick to the coast, like literally like a coastal road for as much as possible? Mm. Or, you know, was there times when you have no choice but to get onto the actual paved road and and run through that? Um, yeah. Kind of, yeah yeah when i when i uh when i planned it i actually thought that i had this i don't know romantic image of a nice relatively neat path around the country now i knew that that wasn't going to be the case but what i experienced is the coast of britain is a huge concoction of everything from industrial estates to nuclear power plants to to cliffs to marshland to swamps to sandy beaches to pebble beaches to cliffs to fields to private land to lots of you just housing estates you name it the whole of the coast has the whole eclectic mix and so it isn't just nice one little path and you follow the arrow which is you know the 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 british coast path that just doesn't exist there's lots of paths that weave around um so the plan was to stick as close as we could and uh, we never strayed too far away. Um, mm-hmm. There's plenty of times when, and it got quite frustrating at some points in the journey where you'd spend a couple of hours or at least an hour running down a particular path. And then you'd realize that it was either completely flooded or blocked off, or, you know, there was a hedge there, or there was a new building there that wasn't there, supposed to be there. And, and so we'd have to end up turning around and coming back and finding an alternative routes. So, right. I mean, the, the Strava routes are basically just weaving as close as we can possibly manage to the coast. Yeah. And so in that time, obviously, as we've kind of mentioned, was, you know, you set off from uh, um, the Eden Project type way, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, an hostel way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you set off from there. At, um I think quite early, you had a lot of your niggles and injuries quite early on in that time. Um, yeah. And did yeah. you find, obviously, as we've kind of said, mentally, that's got to hit you quite hard, especially as you've kind of gone through prepping it all and planning it all. And then you kind of six days in or something and you've suddenly buggered your knee. Yes, but absolutely. Yes, yeah. so it was day six. Um, and the thing is, though, I went into this one knowing that the preparation I only had about three and a half weeks of prep for this. Right. Um, because so I just run a lot of marathons, I guess. So. I, exactly. I've done a lot of marathons and I knew that it was going to be brutal. And I knew I definitely wasn't fit enough and that I wasn't trained and my legs weren't in that state in. ready to do it. 
but I knew that I could endure and I knew that the injuries were going to come. And if they were going to come, I was 90% sure they'd be in the first two weeks. And of course, on day six, that's just inside the first week. Now, doing double marathons a day, 12 hours running every day off the back when off the bat when you've not done much then it's going to be sore and hurt but what I was trying to do was just get through two weeks without without an injury and it wasn't really the pain I was trying to avoid it was the fact that I knew the injury was coming if I could Mm -hmm. just avoid something big early on then it would make the journey so much more possible and I had to make up a few miles here and there and then maybe the, the actual goal was still be possible but day six came and you know I was hobbling on on crutches and on sticks on the evening of day five I had physios that were coming out to me at two in the morning to to see to me to see what was wrong um and then the the day of day six what was supposed to be a 12-hour day turned into a 19-hour day I was hallucinating on the on the beach on the Jurassic Coast down in Dorset um and uh, a big lion didn't you I saw yeah I saw a lion on the beach with one big ear uh and and my brother happened to to come out and and was was supporting he just finished a night shift he's a nurse in any and uh he came out to support me and he ended up by i was basically his next patient to make sure that i wasn't collapsing i was completely completely shot away by that point um i you know i wasn't even on any strong meds i was just on the normal painkillers and paracetamol but i was in so much pain for such a long period of time that I was very weak in my legs, like struggling to stand. And uh, and my shoulders and my hands were also hurting because I was using the sticks to try and take some yeah, of the yeah. load off, my, off myself. So um, that day finished at about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning um, when I was supposed to be finishing at 6 p.m. So didn't go to plan. Um, I then saw the physio, brilliant physio called Tim, uh, who happened to be the physio for Eddie Izzard. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was very, very useful. Um, and, and he knew that I wasn't just going to stop. He didn't give me the, the by the book the answers. And yeah, he gave me the, well, we know you're not going to stop. So this is how you can best, best help yourself. Okay. Um, and so I took his advice. Uh, but he, he did advise having a couple of days off, which uh, I did simply because I couldn't even, I couldn't even move. Okay, um, yeah. there, was, there was no, no weight on my legs at all, uh, which meant I then had to catch up the mileage. Which have then on the the new day uh, nine, which uh, was technically only day seven uh, of me running. I uh, I I started off doing single marathons for a few days, then started to catch up, then went back to doubles, then went back to even more than doubles, uh, and then after that, on day thirty three, uh, more injuries came, and my body said, "What are you doing, Nick?" And I was, by this point, I'd already gone from the whole of the South Coast up to Norfolk. Right. And uh, on the east coast, and uh, yeah, that's when I when my when my tibia broke in in two places. So, and then you had um, how many days off? Well, I was told six weeks, but I had three days off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Six, six weeks and three and three days. <laughs> and I had yeah, I had three days. Off. Well, it's it's one of those things that you know your what your brain is capable of, and I think people forget that the brain does control the body. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is the thing, though, isn't it? Not many people actually, even myself, though, going to my little twelve, my little half marathon I did, like yeah. my left knee was like really, you know, I was kind of properly hobbling by the end yeah. of that. And then, you know, especially anything going downhill, it was like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, I'm just like, well, I need to stop. Like, this is like, 
something but you know it's kind of learning for you i guess over however however many marathons you've done like um knowing actually knowing that your brain is controlling your body yes no yeah and, and interesting with that and, and once you know that there's very little catastrophic damage that you yeah. can do through running the, the only real permanent big damage you can do if you really get it wrong is with the spine and with your neck um yeah. the rest uh, the rest will maybe will yeah. hamper you for a while maybe you'll suffer later in life this makes some pains but mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to be crippling yourself permanently through yeah. a running injury and mm-hmm. so it's like right you know what i'm just gonna crack on the reality is though if i wasn't in a in an expedition if i wasn't in a challenge then i would simply just stop and repair but yeah, my yeah. job when i've started those trips is my literally my only responsibility is to keep putting one foot in front of the other yeah. um so in that regard it's very simple if i can actually put weight on this foot and i can put one step yeah. after the other then i'll, I'll do that one step. Yeah. yeah and i'll just keep doing that until the day's done um and it only becomes a problem just like on day six when there was no day left and yeah, i was already yeah. into the following day and obviously the body can't just continually run no. for four so um so yeah so with that then like this is and this is what my wife was asked was wondering this was like at those like you know your job now is essentially go and do some fucking crazy running stuff um yeah i think you've got some other plans you know for the future yeah. and whatever else but like your plan your job is essentially crazy running stuff like have you lost any like love of running through some of these like you know doing i'm sure that in the middle of like a 19 hour day you're a bit like what the fuck like am i <laughs> do i still am i still enjoying this running thing i don't know um, i can ass- yeah i can assure you when so I would say of the 128 days around Britain, uh, I would say I enjoyed probably about 30% of them. Now, that sounds, that sounds like madness. Like, well, hang on a minute. Why are you you know, you're talking about having a great life and doing this stuff, but you're saying you're not enjoying it? Because the enjoyment factor is like multiplied by X amount when you okay. finish the journey. You get this multiplier of the bigger the thing is, the harder it is, the more painful it is the more you enjoy it after the event. And so that multiplier is obviously something that I always know because I've done something before. I know that the next time I'll go, actually, I'm going to feel really great when this is done. And you do. And it lasts, the harder it is, it lasts with you for for longer. Um, The, a good a good little analogy about the the unenjoyable moments i suppose or, or an example of that was i went uh partially deaf for a little while on run britain because i had so much wind noise because we actually had the strongest wind wind in britain for 120 years uh on the, on the east scotland? coast of britain uh, i wasn't even in scotland no scotland oh, right. was fairly fairly okay i was actually going up the east coast by the north sea yeah. um and uh yeah there was a, an article that popped up on my phone that day to say we've just had the strongest wind in 120 years or something and i was running into this headwind for day after day after day and it was torrential rain i was wet i was cold it was miserable you know i was getting co- soaked by cars if i was having to cross a road or something i was just absolutely drenched there probably um, weren't many people coming out and supporting you at that point there was and very few people coming out to support me i did have a couple of good bunches of people that kind of braved the weather but because i was going a little bit deaf um i really wanted to stop the wind noise getting in my ears and andy who i know you met at the end yeah. who's my my right hand man and to yeah. be honest, deserves a hell of a lot of credit for this mission he was you know he, he did everything for me on the trip and we can go into that but he um 
he made me some uh, ear muff ear mufflers out of uh, washing up Brillo pads, and he <laughs> he tore he tore his uh, he tore his exercise bands, his resistant bands, yeah, into yeah. Pieces, and then taped them around these Brillo pads, and then taped it to my head, so I didn't have <laughs> there was no wind that was getting into my ears because I, it was just you know earache is annoying. Oh, but, it's like toothache but, or something. Exactly, but but that kind of pain over twelve hours every day, and that's just yeah. getting worse. Um, that's when it becomes unenjoyable. Um, I bet. But, but I, still I, mean, I, I guess it's probably a little <laughs> bit like um, those people, those women who have babies, and they kind of they go, "God, oh that was, oh that birth was horrendous," and then like a year later, they're going and doing it all again and saying, "Oh yeah, like that wasn't that bad last time." It was, yeah, they forget, <laughs> they forget it. Yeah, they forget yeah. the pain. Um, yeah. Now, I, I think that's the thing is that we yeah, even now I'm looking back and I'm trying to give you an honest account of Run Britain and saying, you know, 30 percent of my 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 days were were enjoyable and the rest of them potentially not. And it's um, probably already starting to feel like, oh, that was quite it, it, a fun, like little jolly well, around the country. I would, you know, you know I'm, if you said to me, would I would I do it again? definitely definitely not because a i've already done it which is therefore yeah. the motivation to do it again is obviously just not there yeah. um but but the the thing about doing it once and having that special connection with achieving it and looking at the map i'm actually looking at the map as i talked to you we've got a map of britain in the in the van and uh and knowing that we went around every tiny little corner of scotland and all of the little inlets and outlets and oh, estuaries and you know what? We we did that against all the odds. And it was Andy, it was Nikki, it was the rest of the team. They suffered as well because yeah. they were with me. There's very few people where you when you one of one of your mates will go, you know what, yeah, I'll um I'll yes. I'll cook the food, I'll drive you, I'll get you up in the morning, I'll make your breakfast, I'll I'll drive with you everywhere, I will wait on your hand and foot, I will be verbally abused by you when you're grumpy, and I will yeah. do that every day for four months, even though I'm Just also for... really tired. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I've got to say, I think he was like reading your book as well. Like he was just, I mean, he just kept turning up. Do you know what I mean? Like to to <laughs> to 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 come on round the world on so many marathons as well like just yeah, especially towards well. the end when you know life for you is probably incredibly stressful and hard and whatever else yes. and have a friendly face constantly just keep popping up you know for, from your mental perspective must have just been like oh good and you know that he's just there and you don't That's worry about mate, him yeah. yeah it's yeah exactly and we're, we're so yes yeah, so you talk about the you know, andy came and ran uh 19 uh countries with me on yeah. in running world um and then obviously he was my my right hand man on run britain and we're actually running sorry we're actually writing uh the run britain book together oh, nice because he has this perspective that i don't have which yeah. is probably the the reality the real perspective because i just have this tunnel vision of one foot in front of the other every day and i can i can probably now, if you ask me to name coastal towns around Britain, and we went through over three thousand of them, I could probably name ten. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and and actually, you know, so Andy's got that bit of an overview and 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 a perspective that definitely deserves to be told because I just couldn't have done. I couldn't even got past the first week without him, let alone the whole four months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, we're kind of fast. Uh, 
coming through time, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. um, but um, there's a couple of bits I kind of want to, there's one bit I want to round, I round all my sessions. I meant, I meant to tell you before we started and I always forget. <laughs> so everyone who listens to this gets to hear this bit when I go, oh shit, I meant to tell you, sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, if there was like uh, something you could offer someone like mm. i mean when we finish this i want to round up with something else but while well, i remember but um <laughs> if there's like if there, if you could offer a piece of advice to anyone listening like mm. you know that they can perhaps try to impl- in, implement into their day for that yeah. takes you know five minutes of their day and like that will in some way perhaps help them move breathe or just live a happier healthier life whether it be something through running whether it be graduate whatever it's something that you've learned from your all your crazy adventures like mm-hmm. what what could someone take away there's i mean there's a mountain of things that i can take away that i could offer from the stuff that i've learned from around the world but there's something that i was talking at a school today about on the tour and it was about the concept of having and i mean in the opening part of the book i talk about you are you are the sum of those around you you are the the makeup of the people that you have around you and my trips on run britain on italy on all of these different races i've done around running the world they would be nothing without the people that we have alongside us so sometimes from my experience anyway in the media or on podcasts whatever it may be sometimes the concept of meditation or um or whether it's breath work or other things can sometimes appear like they are quite um a solo events yeah. and yet actually in order to have that quite wholesome experience having the right people around you so by, by what i mean by that is people that you can help level up to your level whatever that level may be and however you want to categorize that level and then also have people above you that you are being leveled up to so people that you admire for let's say i've got a runner that can run quicker than me brilliant maybe i've got a friend that's a little bit calmer than me great maybe i've got a friend that can sing better than me maybe all of these people and have this brilliant kind of orchestra of people that's helping you create this better music of life to use that analogy i suppose um is is so enriching and i made so many friends on on the world i've literally got friends in every country in the world including places like north korea and yemen um and 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 without those people, I would not have the personality I do now because I've learned so much from them. Um, and I think that is something that we all can easily overlook. We need to be grateful for our, our, our fellow humanity. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we talk about it with, with COP26 and all of the climate action that's going on. You know, we are responsible, but we're also responsible for our own mental health. We're responsible for the people's health that are around us. We're responsible for what food we put in ourselves. And all of that is influenced by everything from this you know, mass marketing thing. Just have good people around you that you can yeah. help and can be helped by you. Um, so I'm, uh, I think that's my general, my general message of, of having, having the right people next to you. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, well, the main the, one of the things I wanted to kind of finish with. I mean, I definitely I wanted at one point. I have <clears throat> I've got some stuff written down from the book. Like I wanted to like chat to you about like Turkmenistan, which sounded like it was like absolutely fucking batshit. But um, uh, <laughs> we, can, we can we can spend a few minutes talking about that if you want. <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, I've like apart from the the name of like Turkmenistan, which I've heard, but you know, it's just one of those stans that doesn't really sound very real. But Turkmenistan <laughs> sounded like like 
like a uh, like a crazier North Korea, like like North Korea mm. on acid or something. That's that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I, I'd say that's about right. Um, Turkmenistan doesn't get enough press in that region. I say, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anybody's listening to this, just spend a couple of minutes googling weird things about Turkmenistan. <laughs> Generally, they come from the leader of the country or his brother or uncle or father or something, and just you know things like renaming the days of the week after your children. Is, didn't I mean, they plant? Didn't he? Hasn't he written a whole story or something? Did you, is that what you said? Like, there's a whole like they half the religion, half the cultures based on like some story book that he's written or something. Yeah, it was a children's book that he wrote, and then that became <laughs> their, their their history, their culture, which was all completely made up. And he's got a very strange obsession with big statues of himself riding horses. Um, and you think he's trying to make up for something there? I think I think he definitely overcompensating. <laughs> overcompensating, yeah. <laughs> he, he, the, the whole place is bonkers, and, and if you actually go there in person, it's like this. Um, imagine you make this amazing Lego Wonderland, and then you step into the Lego Wonderland. It's just huge and empty, and uh, Turkmenistan is just yeah, like you say, just, just bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that definitely made me, especially like with your description of basically you're running down the road and there was just, you know, it was huge. Like, uh, is it, was that the one with all of the marble? Marble, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so in my head, I just had this like amazing like architecture of like, you know, marble buildings and stuff and just like no one there. That is exactly it. You, it. I mean, that's not exaggerating at all. It has, it, you've got 16 lane motorways going through a like a, a, a marble, and I'm talking like building bigger than the Eiffel Tower of marble and everywhere. And everywhere is empty because nobody can afford to live there because they're all, generally speaking, just incredibly poor and live on the outskirts. So they have this like Wonderland city. It's like the Hunger Games, really, have these different districts. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously District 1 or wherever the capital, that's the one. The capital is this, uh, is this amazing place that nobody can afford to live. It's just this, this picture perfect. There's, you know, there's, no, there's no litter, there's no shops. There's, it's just crazy. Mental. Mental. Yeah, that one just really, uh, yeah. I just I was reading that that part of the book and I was like, man, Turkmenistan. <laughs> I, I want to go there just to see it, but I don't think yeah, it's very really easy to get into. From what it's I, not, uh, it's, no, it's not very easy um, to get into. <laughs> um, so to round off, then I think probably the most important thing that you've probably done uh, from your run and what you're kind of continuing to do is the One Nine Six Foundation. So yes. I don't know whether or not you can, because from like it sounds to me, it's like such a cool uh way of potentially distributing mm. some some uh some finances some uh, money raising yeah. around the world so do you want to just kind of give a bit of a heads up about the 196 yeah and we can kind of go from there yeah cool mate. thank you for mentioning that no I'm, I'm very proud of this foundation this is the charity that we set up uh off the back of uh the trip running the world 196 196 referring to the amount of countries there are in the world as the book um you've got 196 countries and i saw a lot of poverty a lot of need a lot of people that needed a leg up and i'm not talking about necessarily extreme poverty but anybody that you know it could be somebody around the corner from you that is either suffering with uh let's say they you know they need a new wheelchair or a disabled child that lives down the street from you needs an expensive wheelchair or something or maybe it's uh building a school or an orphanage or maybe it's helping the homeless maybe it's a disabled boxing gym you know 
literally anything and everything. I realise there's a lot of people in the world that are far less fortunate than me and, and a lot of the world as well. And people need a leg up. And so I thought, well, what can we do as a bit of a, a legacy, as something that we can do for the rest of my life to help people around the world? So we came up with a very basic concept. We're asking for donations of £1.96 per month. And you can't give us any more. You can't give us any less. It's just £1.96 a month. And what we do with that money is we put all of those pennies into a basically a piggy bank, a, a central pot. And every year we break that piggy bank and we use that money to deliver a project somewhere in the world. And the unique nature of the charity is that I wanted to not be the person to decide who we help, but instead hand that over to the people that donate the money. So if you donate, if you become a monthly donor, every month you donate for you get a vote. And every April, we then contact all of the donors and ask for the votes. And it's the the project with the most votes that gets our project support the following year. Um, we present three options. It's all completely non-profit. None of the money goes to anybody. I even see the money yeah. goes through straight through the charity. Um, and all of that will be used very, very wisely to deliver a project that is voted for by the donors. Um, so if you can afford £1.96 a month, you know, less than 24 quid a year, um, then all of that money goes into a big pot and you get to vote on, on who we help amazing cool well i mean i'll um i'll definitely stick that on on here as well on and on the social medias as well just so anybody who listens and watches can can get that bit and i'll, st I'll even put that as a, a link in my bio as well so Thank people you, can head straight there um well i mean you are a busy man and have got a lot more to do uh so uh, our final question is from my friend emma who i've been living at her house the last uh 10 days isolating uh have you have you still got your toenails at the moment she wanted to know <laughs> i have all of my toenails at the moment at the uh, moment but i don't know how long as soon as i get back to running they do fall off pretty easily do they there we go um yeah. and so i mean i'm not gonna i know you've got lots of plans for running different countries and stuff but I'm going to let um, people come and find you and figure out because I know yeah, you've cool. got some stuff under wraps to, um, <laughs> that you're not telling people about at the moment. So um, everyone, go find Nick. Where can they find you, Nick? What's the easiest places? Probably social media. Nick Butter Run on social media and on the website. Is that on all of them? Uh, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, Facebook, cool. Twitter, Instagram, Nick Butter Run. Um, and yeah, all the info is on there uh, or just the website, nickbutter.com. Simple as that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I'll put all of that in the uh, in the bio and shit so people can find it nice and easy um Brilliant. thank you so much buddy thanks for uh doing this for us it took us a, no, man. a little thank while you. rearranging um, but it was been an absolute pleasure no great to get it done and i'm um, yeah looking forward to chatting in person once i'm a little bit less hectic yeah man when get this uh get this the rest of the year of your your speaking tour mm -hmm. out of the way and i might try and come exactly. and find you somewhere on that tour as well cool. so um yes, perfect mate. well thank you mate thank you and Cheers. speak to you soon see you bye